0: Have you ever done something that you can't take back? Have you ever lived through something that had such lasting effects that they would reorganize the order of your life? Today we're going to talk about the mark of Cain and the many aspects of life that are represented by this mark. Many have wondered throughout time what this mark is that God places on Cain. Is it the mark of the beast? What is it? Is it something which is is a blessing? Is it a curse? We know that there is a curse which even comes up out of the ground after Cain. So what significance does all of this have? And as we study Genesis and the morality that is built deep within these tales, we're going to talk about all of that. So welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor Jay Dylan Proctor, and with me here in Chord Purgatory is Anthony Alegria. All right, so one thing at the beginning of this, remember to be supporting your local church. Again, we are here to supplement your Christian walk, and if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, please send them to us. But make sure you're supporting your local church there. After Cain kills his brother, he has permanently changed the world. Something's been done. You know, there's blood of his brother literally calling out from the ground. And that's a fascinating thing because it's as if the world is going to reorganize itself and say, look, there's something different and it has changed the world. And Cain must realize that something has tainted his soul. He has been convicted. Even as he looks at the ground, he tries to till and he no longer has the power and advantage that he did. Something has changed. Cain cannot undo his actions to bring his brother back. Yet, even in the midst of this, God has marked him with protection. God has mercy and he gives grace to Cain, even though Cain is unworthy of these things. God does not want evil to grow and take hold of the world. And even though it is unwarranted, God still gives grace and mercy to Cain. Now, about this particular mark, a lot of people think different things when they hear that Cain is Mark. Um, Anthony, I'm just going to open this up by throwing it over you. What do you think about when you hear that Cain that is Marked?
1: Well, honestly, um, there's a lot of possibilities for what the mark could be. And obviously, it needs to be outward because it's supposed to be a warning to others, right, to protect Cain. So it needs to be something that's outward also. But there's all sorts of things that could be. I think the word Mark is very similar to tattoo. So it may even be something like that. It may be a tattoo. I'm not sure exactly.
0: Yeah, I'm not a the Hebrew scholar, and I haven't been spending a lot of time looking at that. So someone out there who may know may be able to look into that. If not, we can probably look into it and find out by the next time we're up. If anyone asks, we'll we'll respond them that way. How about that? So another thing, yeah, people look at this and they're like, what is it? Like from the Pirates of the Caribbean, the black spot? Is it something akin to in the book of Revelation? You know, what angle do we want to come at this? And that's really where a lot of people have. Because there's a lot of elements from this story which bring true on a moral level, you know, he has guilt, he has conviction and both internal conviction, recognizing what he's done, and also from the angle of God, he has been judged by God and he has been found guilty of this. And now he has repercussions. But at the same time, this mark also gives him protection. And as he's sent out into the world as a fugitive, you know, this mark will protect him, and it's a warning against others. So there's a lot of levels to this mark, and there's a lot of strange things which happen. But without any further hesitation, let's actually look to the story itself from Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read from the NRSV in Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 16. God said to his brother Abel, Let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord God said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, and which has opened its mouth and received your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than that I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil, and I have been hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth, and anyone who meets me may kill me. Then the Lord said in verse 15, Not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who would come upon him would kill him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, there are a few ways that I want us to look at the mark of Cain, because when we actually look at the story, there's a couple of things placed on Cain. There's actually a curse which comes up out of the ground. We don't hear a lot of details on that. And there's also the mark which God literally puts on him. And these two, they have a distinct connection between one another. And actually, when you look at the entire process where God comes to adjudicate this, there really is a lot of levels of the action that God takes to remedy this situation, the best that is possible now that the entirety of creation has been reordered by the death of Abel. And you see, this is something which actually happens to us quite often in life. Things happen, maybe it's not so serious as as a murder, but there are a lot of things which happen in life. Perhaps we say something we didn't mean to, perhaps we we go somewhere we should not have and that led us to, to indulge in sins. There are things when people do things, maybe to us or maybe we do ourselves, where something happens that changes the course of reality. And there are a few ways that I want us to think about Cain. The mark of Cain that we see, you can see it in sort of a representation of something truer than true. Um, There is certainly a literal mark that is placed on him, but yet when we examine this curse, we examine the conviction that we have, we can also find that there are other elements of Cain's character which are worth us discussing, especially with us looking at the moral elements found in this tale in Genesis. So the first point I want us to talk about is there is a stain on his soul. And it is an act that has committed by Cain that has warped his mind. He committed something that stained his own soul. Sometimes others do things which tend to stain our soul, but sometimes we do it ourselves. And really, if evil is to actually take hold of you, you have to be willing to go there. Other people can do things which alter your life that cause pain and suffering that seem to be indefinite. But at the same time, if evil is going to ultimately take us over then we have to be willing to hand our soul back to it. So that's the first aspect, that it's a stain on his soul. Second, there is also a stain on reality. His brother is gone, and that is an unchanging fact. Even the ground is crying out with Abel's blood. The third point is that God is aware of Cain's action, and he is literally putting a mark on him symbolizing all that has happened, and he's giving a warning to others not to further the evil. Because evil really does beget other evil. So of these points, let's talk to the first, this stain that is on Cain's soul. So Cain's character, it has been unmistakably warped. And going all the way back earlier in Genesis, there's this, this challenge that God gives him. He says, look, there's evil crouching next to you, but you've got to be wary. If you lose your composure, if you lose your countenance, if your character falls, if you, if you don't spend some time being patient, then you're going to find that, well, evil will take over you. It'll rule over you instead of you ruling over it. Cain, he does that, and just as one might expect, the evil does rule over Cain. He becomes warped, and even his mind is, is a bit you know, transfigured. It's a bit of a, a Jekyll and Hyde where he goes down the, the road of Hyde, and he ultimately ends up killing Jekyll. It's this moment where Cain where does something which has irrevocably changed the world. Anthony, do you have any thoughts on Cain's character being warped by, by his actions?
1: I'll say this much. What, something that's really interesting from the passage that you can see is that he's not necessarily even repentant for what he has done. The only thing that you can see, the closest thing that you can see to him saying that is, My punishment is greater than I can bear. And actually, for a long time, um, in more modern Hebrew, punishment was translated as guilt. And so for a long time, Jewish scholars thought that Cain was the embodiment of repentance because he, because they believed that he was saying my punishment is greater than I can bear. But ancient Hebrew, that word is actually much, much closer to punishment. And so that's a really um, strange thing to notice and totally flip opposite from what we see here. Uh, It's it's a totally different depiction of Cain that's possible, but well, um, very, very improbable.
0: Well, I, I think when you even look at that, when he's one saying my guilt is too much for me to bear or whether you're saying the punishment is too much, but it's both centered around him. He wants to be freed of it. He wants to be freed of the consequences. But something has happened where he, he really can't be. Yep.
1: That, that is still totally true. Either way, it really is about him.
0: And to the second point now, moving a little bit on, there is now a stain on reality. And this is something which is really fascinating from the text to me, because a lot of times we want to personify things. Um, And throughout Scripture, there's a lot of things which are personified, and sometimes it's quite true. Sometimes you get something like a a talking serpent or a talking donkey, where the personified elements actually take on a, a real form. But here we see the crying out of the blood. The blood it is giving testimony. It is unmistakably being personified, but at the same time, the blood doesn't actually have to cry out with any sound to be making this cry. That's really something I've always found interesting because I've always wondered when I look at this: is is it something which is actually conscious, the blood of of Abel, or is it merely that it is giving testimony, the same way a piece of evidence might give testimony against someone in court? You know, it's it's relatively inanimate, especially if someone is deceased. Their blood is, you know, it's it's Coagulated, it's it's you know, it's dried blood, but yet it is giving evidence. It says you know this this blood it's no longer enabled. It's no longer pumping through his veins. It's no longer a life-giving force. Instead, it is something which is well, decaying. The world has changed. It cannot be placed back. His actions have actually altered the world. Cain has done something to his brother, and that has changed the course of human history. Literally, they are some of the first people. And if you take out one person, you have radically changed the gene pool. Something has happened, which is crying out that says things are different. Anthony, you have any thoughts on that, that blood?
1: That gene pool thing is actually really, really cool to think about because obviously, you know, being of the same blood, it means that you're related and now the potential that was Abel's bloodline cries out from the earth. It is back to the ground. You know, they say uh, dust to dust, ash to ash, ash. The blood is crying out from the earth. All that potential
0: is now back in the earth. Yeah, it's gone. It's no longer entering into the the pool of humanity. It's sad. But another thing I find fascinating about the the ground coming up and, and this curse which happens is even the ground convicts him. He cannot work the ground without being reminded of his deeds, and this is something where I've always wondered. Both from the the earlier part of Genesis four and the later part, where Cain he comes to God and he says, "You know, my sacrifice isn't good," and now he's got this curse. Cain himself seems to convict himself a little bit. It's possible that it's he's completely apathetic, and he he's almost you know some sort of psychopath that has no in ability to empathize, but. It kind of seems to me that Cain that is convicting himself. He sees his handiwork and his handiwork is not good. It's killing his brother. He sees that. He feels it. And instead of getting strength, like a lot of us do, you go out and you do something you love doing. You love working. I know a lot of people love working. Anthony's actually been working with me some on the farm. And it's kind of fun to get out and do manual labor. Um... We were kind of mean as kids when, when we were kids, I don't know if we were influenced too much by major pain or not, but you know, this whole idea that your immune system gets better when you work. If, if we caught another kid being sick, we'd make him do like ups and stuff. Um, <laughs> but you know, there is this idea that you do get strength from being physically active, but now it's taken away from that. Every time Kane goes out to a kill a field, he's reminded, well, this is the sort of place where I killed my brother. You know, the guilt of that weighs on him, whether he's placing it on himself by self-conviction or it's just reality reminding him that says, hey, you did something awful. That, that is what is happening. All right, so let's get on to this third point, that God is merciful in placing a mark on him. So the mercy of God is found in this. God has mercy for Cain even after a vicious act has been committed. And whenever somebody does something that damages the world, we find that God ultimately does have mercy on them. I mean, this is the story of humanity. All the way from the beginning, people have been committing sin, yet God would ultimately send his begotten son so that he would die, so that this unworthy servant, that they would have salvation, that they could find redemption, that they could actually find something good. God is still willing to bless and have mercy on Cain, even though he shouldn't. But that being said, God is wise but merciful because a lot of times people will say, well, if God is merciful to that, that means we should not give consequences or repercussions to people. God still gives repercussions to Cain. Cain is sent out from the presence of the Lord. He cannot have the same position and authority as he did before. He finds himself in a different place in the world. He is now a fugitive. He is someone without a home. And you can kind of look at that and say, not only does Cain not have a home, but the evil that Cain committed no longer really has a home. It is something which is a fugitive on earth. We we find a lot of aspects of evil in this. Not only is it a, a predatory animal, but evil is also something which is a fugitive. It doesn't really have a home. And then on top of that, evil is something which it propagates by people repeating the action. God comes and he says, I'm placing this mark on you as a warning to others. If they kill you the way you killed your brother, They're going to pay, you know, sevenfold the punishment you have. The vengeance on them will be sevenfold, which kind of is an interesting thing. Not only is Cain a fugitive, but now the evil is too. And if the punishment is sevenfold, you also wonder, is the evil growing sevenfold? I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. Evil is one of those things where it doesn't naturally reproduce. It just kind of is a a weird, you know, it's you get back to a lot of things like demons are described as being the bornless things. Evil is one of those bornless things, which it goes from, from person to person in a bit of a mysterious way, but only when people are willing to give their soul to it. And only when people are allowed to, to propagate it,
1: Anthony, you have any thoughts on that? Evil is something that is sort of exponential in the way that it grows. And um, this is sort of an interesting story. But when I was younger in my church youth group, I was a question that was on my mind was, you know, is it okay to, you know, give white lies or is it okay to lie as a joke or something like that? And I, I still don't necessarily have a ruling on that, but my youth pastor called one of uh, the people going on the summer mission trip and told her that he didn't have any of her paperwork and all this other stuff. And he was just sort of doing it as a joke. Well, she actually left work, drove straight over, and had everything reprinted off again. And obviously, whenever she found out that he was just playing, it just was not good. It was really, really bad. And so I know that that's not necessarily the same situation. Um, And it might not have even been sin, but it's definitely a mistake. And you can sort of see how something small grew to be much much larger you know she left work that day she had to do a lot of work to get everything reprinted off and she had all that done in like 30 minutes so she must have been rushing and so that just was a terrible situation
0: yeah so the ultimate question we have is where is the redemption in the story when we live through events or even carry out acts ourselves that alter life where do we find redemption we know that God does not want evil to spread, hence he gives this warning. The mark of Cain, yes, it is something which says he, he's a fugitive, he's round, killing, but also it's a warning that says, hey, if you perpetuate this evil, the consequences are going to be sevenfold. And again, all of those things that we've talked about before, you know, the ground cries out for you, you're, you're convicted yourself, your mind is warped. Those things are true. For, for everyone who would commit evil, the evil, it will grow. You will find yourself more and more demented the more you go along that. The, the evil, the, the demonic possession that happens over people, it grows, it festers whenever they offer their soul up to things. It's not a good thing. So we know that God wants redemption for humanity, and there is only one possible redeemer for humanity, and that truly is found in Christ. And we are reminded even in this text that God, even though the servant is suffering and it has a burden too great to bear. I mean, even you see Mary Magdalene. She has not committed a, a act of violence herself. But when she is there at the, at the tomb, there after the Easter morning, she finds it empty and she's weeping. She's sad. She's felt something too great to bear. But yet Jesus is resurrected. And in that moment, death is redefined. And therefore, Mary, the suffering servant, which is humanity, it finds that God is sending a redeemer to overturn death. And that aha moment that Mary Magdalene has when she says, ah, Jesus, that really is the aha moment for humanity that says with Cain and Abel, that aha moment that redemption can happen, it is only found in Christ and only found in the resurrected Christ. The only hope for Abel that is beyond the limits of, the, of this world, because now on this world, he is dead. The blood is out of his body. It is spilt. Well, the only hope for Cain who has had this mark placed on him indefinitely, the only hope of anything that would ever affect them is beyond the limits of this world because the world was reorganized. And as we know, there's only one true king who has authority beyond this life, and that is Christ Jesus. And that's where we're going to end today. So if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments about the mark of Cain, please send them to us. And with that, God love you and have a blessed day.